0: Lot
1: Talk Radio.
2: Good morning, animal enthusiasts, and welcome to the Pet Place radio show at its brand new time. Don't you love sleeping in on the weekend? I know I do. I'm Marie Hewitt, and I'm really happy you've tuned in today. If you're new to the show, welcome. This is where you'll hear pretty much every animal topic imaginable, and then some. And to the seasoned Pet Place listeners, thanks for following us to our new time. Now, let's get started. If you ever wanted to unleash your dog's inner fashionista, then you won't want to miss our first guest, Eric Rope. And he has a pretty unique line of cutting-edge collars and leashes. I know I want my dog, Willa, to be the best-dressed canine at the dog park, so I can't wait to hear about this. Then later, on a more serious note, Dr. Beth Overly, a veterinary oncologist, will be stopping by to talk about cancer awareness with regards to pets and the latest advances in veterinary medicine. So find a comfy place to sip a cup of coffee and pet your dogs and cats while we take a very quick station break And we'll be right back with a brand-new edition of the Pet Place Radio Show on AM
0: 1260.
2: Welcome back. You're listening to the Pet Place Radio Show on AM 1260. I'm Marie Hewitt, and I'd like to welcome to the show Eric Swope from Buckle Down. Hi, Eric. How are you? Great. How are you doing? I'm doing very well, thanks. Hey, you know, a couple of years ago, my daughters got some belts that looked like seat belts, and they told me it was the latest fashion. So I'm wondering, this is something you're involved with, right?
1: Yes, we've been making belts for humans for about 20 years.
2: Oh wow! And, and I just found out about them about couple years ago yes
1: and the great thing about our belts is every new teenager thinks it's the hottest latest new fashion so they they have stuck around for quite a while and they still are very cool
2: wow so you've been around a long time but now you're expanding to add the world of dogs to your (laughs) repertoire
1: yes about three years ago we we opened up um well, I was in the back one day, and I, was, I had adopted two pit bulls, and I would rescued them from the shelter, and I was looking for a stronger collar. Um, the plastic ones just weren't cutting it anymore. Mm-hmm. So I, I went to the back and used some of the parts we had around our warehouse, because we do manufacture here in the States, and, uh, and I found some materials and made a dog collar. And about six months later, we had that design pretty well uh, perfected. Or you know, at least hammered out, and we uh, started selling that about two and a half years ago.
2: And you have the coolest dogs on the block.
1: Well, I thought so. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and then you're also making leads to go along. And then the we cover? make
1: matching leads. Yes, we uh, we have over 800 different patterns that we currently make, and we also offer a lot of licensed products as well, with automotive licensing or so the that's Great at
2: A car enthusiast that likes a specific type of car, then you can go with that style for your collar and lead.
1: Right. You could have the Mustang dog collar and leash. And the cool thing with the car angle is it's got a real seatbelt buckle as the clasp, and that's really what makes our product so unique is the seatbelt buckle clasp.
2: Okay. So if you have a real – I mean, I know on the the human belts these are real seatbelt buckles, But when we're talking about a a little poodle, a miniature poodle, clearly they're not going to be wearing a collar that's big enough to have a full-size seatbelt buckle. Right. We actually
1: offer the seatbelt buckle collars in two different widths. We offer an inch and a half, which is a standard seatbelt buckle you would have seen in the old cars. Mm -hmm. And then we offer a miniaturized one, which is a one-inch wide. And that's a little more popular, especially with the smaller dogs. Okay. And, uh, and and that is that is you know, a miniaturized version of the same seat belt buckle. We also offer a half inch uh, version of our dog collar and leash. That doesn't have the seat belt buckle; it has a a plastic clip because of the the weight issue.
2: Okay, and and what made you decide that that this is going to really become popular in the dog world? What made you go ahead and jump in those waters?
1: Well, you know we we're always looking for you know a way to expand the business and uh, diversify, and the the fashion. You know, we, we love the fashion industry, and we've been doing that for so long. But uh, we we really did want to uh, pursue kind of other avenues uh, that, that utilize the same coolness that, you know, that, that we have success with in the fashion world. So, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I, think, I think it's going very well. You know, obviously, um, they've been picked up really around the nation. We're in over 4,000 different stores, including Petco at the moment. So oh,
2: okay, okay. And can you also order them online?
1: You can order them on our website on uh, Belts. That's B-E-L-T-S, direct.com.
2: Beltsdirect.com, okay. And if somebody was really interested in a specific car style and, and perhaps you didn't have those online, can you custom make?
1: Well, if we have the license, we can do it. Um, so it's we. If you can check with us. If you don't see it online, just check with us about the car style, we will tell you if we have the license to do it.
2: I know a lot of people are concerned about colors, and making sure that they're secure and a dog can't get them off easily because if they lose their collar, then they lose their tag and that's their voice to get back home if they're ever lost. Have you tested out these collars to make sure that they're safe, that that they're secure, and dogs aren't going to be able to get them off easily by pawing them?
1: Yes, we have done a lot of work on that, especially with our one-inch dog collar. We ended up making the buckle a little stronger, stiffer to press the button in. Just for that exact reason, um, you know. And at, at the end of the day, you know, nothing's perfect, but but our colors are pretty hard to get off.
2: Okay, and ha- have you put any, posted any photographs on your website to show what these look like, so that oh, people can get an idea?
1: Yes, there's tons of photographs on our website, as well as on Facebook. Uh, if you just search "Buckle Down Products," okay, you can see a lot of our colors on Facebook and a lot of happy dogs on there as well.
2: Do you find that most of the dogs that enjoy wearing these are more of the larger breed?
1: well, on the larger breeds, we definitely utilize the wider collars, so it does you you see it more mm-hmm. however, I'd say that uh we we end up selling quite a bit of collars in the eleven inch neck size to about the sixteen seventeen inch neck size okay, so okay. you know not not actually. It looks like it would be going for a much larger dog. It does work very well for the larger breeds, but a lot of the smaller breeds really do like them as well.
2: Okay. When I think of a seatbelt buckle, I think that it's a little heavy and and bulky. Is it uncomfortable at all? Have you noticed any of the dogs that you've personally handled uh, objecting to having these collars on?
1: Um, Actually, the the one-inch collar weighs about an eighth of a pound. Mm-hmm. which is much less than a normal dog eats in one sitting. So it really is not that heavy. Okay. And another thing about our collars is we use such a tight weave on the webbing that a lot of dogs, if you look around their neckline, you can see where the collar actually has ripped the hair out of, out of their bodies. Mm-hmm. And that happens when you get a loose weave on the webbing. Okay. And because our webbing is so tightly woven, a lot of dogs have actually, uh, owners have reported to us that after wearing our collar for a few months, that their dog's hair had actually grown back and their coat looked much nicer. Oh,
2: wow, that's a great plus. Yeah, it really <laughs> is.
1: So, so you know, actually we've had a lot of great comments about that.
2: And I know a lot of people are way into fashion with their pets, especially here in Southern California. Uh, do, do you think that people are enjoying this new fashionable alternative? Yes, I mean, these
1: collars give you such a variety of different, you know, ways to express your, yourself or your dog. So there's just, you know, no other collar company offers the amount of variety that we do. So we have a lot of repeat customers, a lot of people that do buy multiple collars for the same dog because they, you know, different days require different colors.
2: <laughs> there you go. And plus you have to match your You're human, so. And
1: you can buy the matching belt for yourself.
2: Ah, there you go.
1: A lot of people end up do matching their belts with their collars and their leashes.
2: That is very cute. I know that you're always brainstorming and thinking about new products that you want to bring out in the future. What are your big plans?
1: Well, we just released a new collar that's made out of hemp. So it's a more of a recycled, um, you know, re- recycled and re- refurbished uh, materials.
2: Okay. So
1: it's a little more eco-friendly. As well as we actually just introduced a line of dog bowls that are in the shape of the different auto brands. Oh. So you've got like a Ford bowl, a dog bowl in the shape of an oval from the Ford Oval. Okay. Or a Chevy bow tie bowl in the shape of a Chevy bow tie. Ah. So very kind of unique and cool um, as well items.
2: Okay. And do, do you think the dogs really care?
1: <laughs> you know, I think they do. I think it's uh, important to be able to express yourself, and you I think go. your dog, I'm sure, feels the same way.
2: <laughs> In fact, when they meet at the dog park, they say, I have got a brand new cool bowl that's better than yours.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> exactly. Oh, Let's give out your website one more time so that if people want to check out The Buckle Down products, they can see some of the photos and and order.
1: Yes, it's www.beltsdirect.com.
2: And you said you can also get these at your local pet supply stores like Petco?
1: Yes, like uh, in the L.A. area, you know, Petco would be a great place to start.
2: Okay. Eric, these all sound like really fun products. And I really had a lot of fun talking with you. This This is great. So thanks so much for being on the Pet Place.
1: All right, well thank you very
2: much for having me. It's time for our halftime break, but just on the other side waiting is Dr. Beth Overly, a veterinary oncologist who I think has a pretty positive message for pet owners everywhere. You won't want to miss a single word, so don't go away, because we'll be right back on AM twelve sixty with more of the Pet Place radio show. Welcome back to the Pet Place Radio Show on AM 1260. I'm Marie Hewitt, and joining me now is Dr. Beth Overly. Thanks for being with us today, Dr. Overly. Oh,
0: well, thank you for inviting me.
2: I understand that you're a veterinarian that specializes in cancer care. Would you tell us a little bit about that, please?
0: Yes, um, I'm a veterinarian, and I'm also board certified in veterinary oncology, and um Oncology is just a very fancy name for cancer um, or the study of cancer. But yes, and so one of the questions people do have is what is the difference? And so what the difference is is that in addition to having the four years of undergraduate and four years of veterinary school training, we have an additional four to sometimes even up to six years of um, postgraduate training, um, Mm -hmm. and we have to pass a series of two additional examinations.
2: Oh, I had no idea it was so much longer. Is that full-time, going to
0: school? It is full-time. It's very full. During your internship years, it's usually a 50-hour work week, and probably during your three years of residency it is as well. The examinations that they have us passed. One of them is about an eight-hour exam, and the second one is about a 16-hour exam. Um, And they pretty much review everything from the past 10 years of veterinary oncology. So it's quite thorough.
2: So, yes, that's very intensive. What made you decide to get into oncology?
0: You know, it was almost a lark. I did have a grandfather that died of asbestos-related mesothelioma, and that might have played a role. But the other thing was that when I was in my internship year um, at University of Pennsylvania going through, I really enjoyed the oncology service. I had a horrible time. On medicine. I loved the people, but I had so many animals die of different diseases, and it was so frustrating because I didn't really always know why. But with oncology, so many of the patients actually seemed to be happy and healthy, and, you know, they had cancer, but, you know, their lives were good. And I just thought, wow, this is maybe something that was more interesting than I thought.
2: And there were a lot more treatable cancers, too.
0: Yes, there's a lot of either treatable or manageable, um, in the sense that sometimes they're treated as chronic, you know, managed as chronic diseases. But these dogs weren't all sick and dying. They had good qualities of life, and, um, you know, the research was very interesting. And, of course, cancer is a very tough challenge to cure and to to
2: treat. I, I know that there are also a lot of challenges when a pet owner finds out that their pet has cancer. Can you talk a little bit about that? What an owner sh- should expect to go through once they get that diagnosis?
0: Yes, I've had it myself. I had one of my dogs diagnosed when he was four, and I think the first thing is is that it's really an emotional shock. It's a huge impact, and I think that you know we all love our pets, but you know, and they're with us day to so, day. So for so much of our day, that it you know the idea of not being with your pet is is profound I think so the first thing is, is that it is a big emotional shock I think the second one is once you go in and you start talking about treatment there is a cost consideration unfortunately so many owners still don't have pet health insurance and so figuring out how to afford or finance treatment sometimes can be a big challenge
2: so would I think you say you're a big supporter of pet insurance?
0: I've become a a large supporter over the years, yes. In the beginning of my career, I I wasn't so much, but now I'm very happy every time a a client comes in and says, oh, yeah, we have a cancer rider and we have up to a certain amount because it means that we can do the job that we really need to do to make their pet's life the best that it can be.
2: So you really would need to get the additional coverage that would take care of cancer should that need arise.
0: It depends on the health insurance plan, and there's several of them out there now, and I think that they're just going to keep getting better and better. But certain breeds are predisposed, and I think that if I had one of those breeds, I would certainly consider getting a Cancer Rider. And, and some of those breeds would be Golden Retrievers and Boxers, Rottweilers, and Labrador Retrievers, which okay. are often very common breeds.
2: Okay. I know that a lot of dogs seem to develop little growth. I guess I'll say, on their bodies as they get older, and it seems so common, especially in dogs over 10 years of age. Is this some type of cancer, or is this something else just age-related?
0: Often it's age-related. Dogs have a tendency to grow benign growths called lipomas. They're little fatty tumors. Um, and the challenge with fatty tumors is that sometimes they can be, they can look, a, a malignant tumor can look a lot like a little benign fatty tumor. Mm-hmm. So what I usually recommend is that if your dog does grow them, have them checked out with your veterinarian. They can always stick a needle in and take a sample of the cells that are inside the tumor. If it comes out looking a lot like Crisco, it's probably not a big deal, but sometimes they can look a, a, a certain kind of tumor called a mast cell tumor can look a lot like them. But, yes, dogs do, and certain breeds in particular, like Labradors, do tend to grow a lot of them.
2: Okay. And you talked a little bit about treatments for pets facing cancers. Are these treatments difficult for the pets? Does it take away their quality of life to a certain extent? It really depends on
0: the treatment. The mainstays are still radiation treatment, surgery, and chemotherapy. By chemotherapy, I do actually mean a broad different uh, spectrum of treatments. They're essentially medical treatments for dogs. We've developed in the recent years some immune therapies, uh, tumor vaccines for dogs, for instance for canine oral melanoma, um, that actually has almost no impact on a dog's quality of life. Um, Surgeries, you know, have an obvious impact, but for a very short period of time. And so if a cancer can be removed by surgery, it's sort of a short-term period of time. When we talk about traditional chemotherapy, it certainly can have an effect on on life quality. Again, it's for a shorter period of time, but it's much different than what they have in human medicine. Okay. In human medicine, they treat humans much harder, and they give a lot more dose-intense regimens. And so with dogs, I mean, really, a lot of our dogs that we treat with chemotherapy on a weekly basis, they're still running and exercising and eating and playing ball, and we try to keep them out of the hospital because we know we can't really ask them if this is what they want, mm-hmm. so we try to make their quality of life great.
2: And do you find that if they're home, it actually is better for their their treatment regimen anyway rather than being in the hospital where a lot of dogs are very frightened?
0: Yes, 100 percent. We really try hard to keep them out of the hospital as best as we can. and. We try to make their, their visits to the hospital when they come in as fun as we can as well. So we do a lot of positive reinforcement.
2: Aww. We have a
0: ton of toys and balls and treats. And, you know, some of the dogs go racing in. You can't always convince a cat. But, you know, we try to make it so that it's something, at least for them, that is, is at least seems a little bit more fun than it does to their owners. <laughs> well, that's um, great. Yeah.
2: yeah, I like that. And, and it probably puts the owners at ease as well to be able to bring their, their pets into a positive atmosphere because I'm sure the owners are pretty stressed.
0: They are. A lot of owners are very stressed, particularly in the beginning, because it's this, this whole crazy world that they're starting to live in. And, you know, hopefully by the middle or the end it becomes routine, and, and it's a pleasure. I consider it a success, success when they tell us, oh, yeah, you know, Fido or Fifi, they just love coming here. They just race into the door, and, and for us <laughs> it makes us feel great, too. Aww, um that's Just
2: brilliant. as it
0: does to see their pets alive three years after. You know, those are the things that really make my job worth it.
2: How does complementary medicine play a role in cancer treatment? Can you talk a little bit about that?
0: Yeah, I think it can play a good and important role, but I want to define it first because some people confuse complementary with alternatives. And so alternative medicine is usually treatments that replace the standard of care. And we can't really believe in that. I, Richard Dawkins, I think, said that there is no alternative medicine. There's just medicine that works and medicine that doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, complementary medicine is a little bit different. It's a variety of therapies and treatments that are used to improve quality of life and hopefully to improve patient outcomes. And I think that we can all stand behind that. And some of the recommendations that would fall under that are as simple as dietary change, um, in human medicine, exercise, moderate exercise for cancer patients has shown to improve both quality of life and overall survival. Wow. You know, a support group, even for the owner, it may or may not play a role in the patient's uh, quality of life, but it can because the owner's less stressed and more supported. But yes, those are all things that can be. Um, Definitely integrated, and actually integrative medicine is sort of the new term for complementary medicine.
2: Ah, okay, learning something new. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I know that a lot of people are, are saying that they're seeing more cancer and they've had more pets that have been diagnosed with cancer. As an actual oncologist, what's your take on this? Are you seeing more cancer in dogs and cats?
0: You know, it's a hard question to answer. And I do think that the overall incidence of certain tumors has increased. But I think one of the other things that we recognize is that there are certain breeds that are predisposed to cancer that become more popular. And these breeds do tend to change with time. And so we see more cancer because of that. Another thing is that veterinarians, general veterinarians, are doing a great job of keeping dogs and cats alive longer. Mm-hmm. And so we're also seeing a lot of older dogs. And so there are young dogs that do get cancers that are more likely to be genetically related, but we're also just seeing it because they do live longer. About 50% of dogs over the age of 10, I think, are diagnosed. Okay. And so it's something that we're just seeing in an older population.
2: We had a guest on The Pet Place previously who talked about sunscreen and helping to prevent skin cancer Do you have any suggestions about that, and and do you see much skin cancer in pets?
0: The most common skin cancers we see in pets, actually the most common malignant tumor, is a disease called mast cell tumor, and it's not necessarily related to the sun. But if you're in Arizona or Texas or one of those places and you have a white cat that likes to sunbathe, you know it's probably better to not have that that uh, pet actually out there in the sun too much
2: okay and so what about say that dogs moderate that have nothing. pink noses and pink lips or any animals that have sections of of skin that doesn't have any pigment are they more prone to this type of problem
0: certainly boxers short-haired dogs such as boxers and and especially ones that again are in, in very sunny areas they can often grow either a little benign growth or sometimes they can develop malignant tumors, but they don 't get the same um, kind of cancers when they get melanoma it 's often inside the mouth, inside the oral cavity, and not on the skin, okay. whereas in humans, one of our big concerns is is malignant melanoma in the skin caused by sun exposure
2: okay well, while we 're on the topic of prevention we've we've discussed the topic of cigarette smoking with regards to human health, how does that affect pet health? Does an animal that lives with a smoker have a higher risk of developing certain types of cancer?
0: Yes, and there, especially in cats, there's been research done. They were looking for squamous cell carcinomas, which is an oral kind of tumor in cats, and they were looking for a, a causal effect or at least an association with smokers in the household. One of the surprising interesting findings they found is that there is an effect, um, but there's an even greater effect on a, a very common feline tumor called um, gastrointestinal lymphosarcoma. So for cats with intestinal lymphoma, what they believe is that they lick the carcinogens from, from the smoke, oh. the secondhand smoke, off of their coats and ingest it. Okay. Um, but there is an increased risk with the number of smokers in the house, the number of packs smoked today. Mm-hmm. Um I think that dogs are the spontaneous tumor model for human cancer. And even though the studies haven't all been done, it bears that if if cancer can be caused by smoking in humans, it most certainly can in dogs and cats as well.
2: Okay. And I've heard, too, that dogs with long noses are a little more susceptible to this sort of cancer than dogs with flat noses because there's more surface area that the, the smoke and the second hand Ingredients um, in the secondhand smoke uh, can cling to. Have you heard anything about that?
0: Yes, and so there are certain cancer or tumor types that do tend to to be more um, prevalent in the longer-nosed breeds. As there are certain ones that are in shorter nodes, but yes, exactly.
2: Yeah. So, bottom line is, don't smoke.
0: <laughs> you don't, know, don't have your
2: pets associated with it.
0: And what I tell my owners is that the best thing that they can really do for their pet and for themselves is they can, for one, I mean, I know the cat owners roll their eyes, but exercise has been shown in humans and in pets to be good. Two, stop smoking. And three, you know, maintain good you know, body weight, and just eat a healthy diet. Definitely. Um,
2: Well, Dr. Overly, this is all great information. Find out more at www.vetcares.com. And it's time now for our last station break in the program. But when we return, get ready for Pet Play's news and events here on AM 1260. We're back on the Pet Place Radio Show. I'm Marie Hewlett and it's time for Pet Place news and events. I am very pleased to announce that all of us from the Pet Place will be returning to America's Family Pet Expo April 15th, 16th and 17th at the Orange County Fairgrounds. Now, if you haven't ever come to the Expo, you really need to put it on your calendar. Aside from being able to meet me personally, which I know is at the top of everyone's list, uh, I think my producer, audio engineer Jim, is laughing hysterically right now. Anyway, aside from that, the expo features a ton of entertainment, crazy pet products, animals from rescues and shelters that are available for adoption. Oh, and need I mentioned the extremely healthy fairground food. Deep-fried cookies. Deep-fried chocolate bars. Ah, I digress. Of course, the famous aquarium contest for kids and so much more. Find out all the details at www.petexpooc.org, and I hope to see you there. Well, that's all for me today. Remember, pets need love and a home, too. We'll be back next weekend with more of the Pet Place at our new time, 9:30 a.m. here on AM 1260. I'm Marie Hewlett. Please spare new to your pets and have a wonderful day.